Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. I'm Greg Mahochko, and uh, my co-host, Hoss Reuter, is out on the town with family. He's got some family in town this weekend, so he is unavailable, which means that the firm of Hoss and Hooch is, is, is going to be minus a Hoss tonight, uh, this week, well, however... My buddy Chad Smart, a host of the Positive Cynicism podcast on the Jitter Monkey uh, Podcast Network, says that time in podcasts is irrelevant. We're recording this on Friday night, uh, July 27th. You might not be listening to this until November of 2020. So who knows? But we're going to have fun uh, regardless. I'm joined uh, to, to be sitting ready, volunteered for his turn in the chair for the cross-examination is uh, Patrick Earhart. Patrick, welcome back to the show. Good to be back. Good, good, good to be back on this very nice, cool July night here in Nebraska. How are you doing, man? I'm, I'm doing well. Yeah, unseasonably cool, which uh, is is nice. You know, it's a nice break at the end of July. I'll take it. Oh, no, it's it's great. Yeah, definitely. It, uh, it feels more like late September, early October, which is throwing things off, so... At least people around here are afraid that winter might come early, but uh, yeah, we we've got a ways to go with summer. I'm sure we've got some hot days ahead of us, so is it, enjoy it while we can. Is it the kind of Friday night feeling, at least temperature wise, that makes you feel like there should be Husker football tomorrow morning? Oh yeah, no, it, it's a Friday night that's that that I walk outside and it's like, why am I not at a high school football game right now? Sure, you know, getting ready, ready, yeah, ready for Husker game day that comes Saturday. And you have been on the show before, but uh, as we go through our summer series of uh, the cross-examination, th- this is uh, your your turn. And, and I thought it was it just it's so cute uh, when when you or, or one you know one of our other colleagues at Coronation uh, will message me and say, uh, "Are you going to send me the questions?" Nope. <laughs> and then hey, you- it doesn't hurt to ask. The worst thing the worst thing that can happen is you tell me no. And you told me no. And and here's the thing, and and this is, it, it means it means to me that nobody at Coronation listens to the show. <laughs> like there there's only one person on on staff who should have you know not known the questions, and that was Jill because she was first. Everybody else True. should be like, okay, the questions haven't changed. So well, yeah, but here's here's the, I'm the only basketball guy here, really. So I didn't know if you were going to throw me some curveballs or not. I I should, uh, but that would require I don't know planning and and, okay. and thinking ahead, and I just haven't had the time or energy to do that. Um, we do need to. Uh, I feel like I need to alert the, the listeners that I've taken a Benadryl. Um, my wife, the nurse, said, well, you could take two. I said, I could, but I still have to record. And then, of course, do all the uh, post-production and editing and then get the 
the posts ready for the morning. She said, yeah, one's good. Um, but <laughs> it reminds me of a funny story, funny ha-ha, of the time that she was concerned that I died. So a few really? years, yeah, a few years ago, I, it was you know allergy season, and I took a couple Benadryl before bed. I am a moron and not wise to Benadryl, and so I just took Benadryl like I would take ibuprofen or Tylenol, and that's four of them. And my wife, the nurse, uh, was like kind of watching me in the morning as I was not waking up, and she says. I thought you died. Like when I finally woke up ten and a half hours after falling asleep, which was not like me at all. She's like, I thought you were going to die because you just didn't seem like you wanted to wake up. And I'm like, uh, and then when I did wake up, I guess I was quite groggy as one might be after taking four uh, for uh, Benadryl. So everybody, as a as a public service announcement to you, read your warning labels and instructions on your uh, pill bottles and and don't. Be a moron like me? Is that, is that You're safe lucky. to say? Benadryl does nothing for me. You're lucky. Well, I, I mean, we'll find out what one does. I might take another one before bed just to get that, you know, solid six and a half hours before my son wakes up. Um, so, are you ready? I'm good to go. Let's make it happen. Do, do you think, in the interest of you being like the basketball guy, and, and David McGee is too, but but David uh, is is not. Uh, first of all, he hasn't volunteered for the cross-examination, and uh, he, he's been preoccupied with some other things. So should we talk a little bit of Nebraska ball uh, before we get too too far ahead of things? Any, yeah, sure. Let's, any, let's do it, especially considering we still got a few – a couple months to go at least. But, uh, you know, I can give you what I got. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, some, some news and notes. Of course, uh, I, I think we've touched on it even here, uh, even without you. That uh, you know, guys like uh, James Palmer Jr. and uh, uh, Isaac uh, Copeland, uh, Isaiah, Isaac, Isaac. It's Isaiah Roby, yeah, because it's Isaiah Roby. Uh, anyway, they're coming back. We, we've uh, discussed that, and uh, while uh, a, the Tim Miles staff lost a key component, it also brought in a, a pretty nice addition as well. So, uh, just what, what's been going on with the the Nebraska ball squad here in the off season? Not, I don't think we've heard yet where he's going yet, have we? I don't think I'm, so. I'm, I'm going to politely, uh, politely ask you to repeat that as something happened on my soundboard and I lost you for a second. Oh, not a problem. Um, you know, outside of Jordy, not a ton's happened. And I'm not even sure if we know yet where Jordy's going to. But, I mean, he's he's a loss. He's not a major loss, as some might think, but he was a big guy that we need, especially once conference play starts in the Big Ten. Uh, his minutes were more hit and miss as the season went on, but he was needed, uh, whether he believed it or not. But he he wasn't happy at the end of last season. There was you know, those talks of him leaving then, and then the fact that he leaves now, I think it was basically Nebraska basketball going we're sorry we can't make you happy. You know, this being kind of the second time that he quit the team, and and I, I don't know if maybe after, after that Penn State when he didn't make the trip to uh, uh, College Station, if, if Coach Miles just kind of convinced him to stick around for the rest of the year or what. But, yeah, it just seemed like 
you know, if you, if you couldn't make the guy happy, and, and uh, I'm going to, this will throw off possibly you and and uh, perhaps many of our listeners, but I, I'm a, I'm a old wrestling fan, and I listen to uh, three wrestling podcasts that are co-hosted by the same guy, Conrad Thompson at Hey Hey It's Conrad, and one of them uh, is with uh, uh, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, and for twenty something years, Bruce was Vince McMahon's right hand uh, man in the WWE WWF, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase what what Bruce has said is Vince's philosophy, and that's Hey, if you're not happy here, go be happy somewhere else, you know. Um, and it seems like that might be the situation with Jordy. Remember any of the last few years, Tim Miles' tenure at Nebraska? There's, they've had some problems with guys not being happy. And I think it's been best for the team when they do move on. And I think this is just, again, another one of those situations where Tim Miles and his crew did what they could, but it just it just wasn't going to happen. Um, I, I wish Jordy the best. Oh, absolutely. We, you know, we could have used him next year, but I, I think grand scheme of things, Nebraska should be just fine. I mean, th- that's just me. Um, this is going to be a year with Tim Miles where he's going to have the best talent he's had on the court since he's been here, bar none. Uh, to me, it's what's going to determine his future is coaching. Honestly, I I don't see playing wise, <clears throat> player wise, it getting much better than it is right now. Uh, if he can't pull off, you know, a decent placing in the conference, and I'm going to say an NCAA tournament berth, no matter what seating it is, then um, Bill Moose is probably going to have a hard hard decision to make at the end of ne- next year. Um, it's early to say that, but that's that's just my guess right now. Well, like you said, if 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 things don't fall into place, if if there's not a high seating and if there's not a, a tournament berth, then then perhaps uh, Bill Moose's decision won't be that difficult at all. No, no, and I think a lot of people thought last year was going to be that way, but this was kind of an odd with the Big Ten still being down and Nebraska. While while their record was great, their you know strength of schedule was not. The NCAA tournament saw that. They kind of proved it in the NIT, um, even though they got a bad placing and they should have had home and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, I think that so, you know, 2017, 2019 Nebraska men's basketball team is going to basically be hinging on how well this coaching does, if you ask me. Well, it, it, and I don't I don't disagree Um like you say, losing Jordy, you know that's a, a six foot eleven inch body. You're not going to have in the middle, um, and perhaps it's too early to tell. Uh, you know who's going to, you know, fill that role, and and, and perhaps without that, you know, token big man, uh, the scheme might have to change a little bit. Might have to, you know, go a smaller, quicker lineup that uh, relies a little bit more on an outside shooting game. You certainly have the outside uh, weapons. Um, Isaiah Roby, although he's not six eleven, he's got a wingspan of about fourteen feet. Uh, do Do you think that he's someone that could slide in into that you know low post spot, or or does he need to, he, to grow a little bit more? He he could. I'm I'm curious to see how much weight he puts on over this this summer and early fall. I think that'll help him out greatly. He he was a bit. Um, I was a little disappointed with him going into last year. 
but he definitely came into his own and became a huge factor in Nebraska's winning and playing last year. Uh, he's probably part of the reason why you saw less of um, Jordy on the court after a while because they just were using Isaiah more. You'll probably see him being used more, not to the extent that they would use but um, you'll, you'll definitely see him playing more, especially, I think, early on in the season when they're trying to figure out what their rhythm is with on the offense. So I mean, Isaiah will be good. I'm really curious to see his name, uh, Deshaun Burke, who transferred in from, I think it was Robert Morris, if I remember right, going back out to the perimeter. I think they should have been doing years ago, honestly. Um, I know it kind of goes against Big Ten play, but you kind of got to figure out where your strengths are and how to recruit. And I think more of a system where you do rely more on the perimeter could be better for Nebraska. But we'll we'll see. As long as they can hold their own on defense, they should they should be okay on offense. All right. Well, anybody who's uh, listening made it this far knows that uh, we're having a, a bad connection. I will say. Uh, because we've edited some of it out, I'm keeping this part in. It is completely on my side. It is with a wire that is acting up, um, and I know exactly when it's working and when it's not. Because when it's not working, I don't hear the the high pitch little, almost not not feedback, but uh, the high pitch little reminder that that Patrick's on the line. So I'm trying to hold the wire in just the right place, and sometimes it's working, sometimes it's not. No, no. Trust me, it's it's the way that I'm, the the way that this is being positioned. So, um, no, it, it's absolutely on my end. All right, let's get to the cross examination and hope that uh, we don't lose Patrick in any of his uh, responses because this is the fun part. We've been doing this all summer long now and uh, looking forward to getting to the big cheese which is John Johnston, which will be our, our final uh, cross-examination probably within uh, a month or so, it seems, as we're running out of coronation staff who are willing to sit in the chair. So, uh, Patrick, you are ready? I'm good to go. All right. As, as Haas would say, put your left hand on the book, put your right hand in the air. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth? Nope. Okay, perfect. Uh, question number one. Now when I say it like that, it almost sounds like a pop quiz. Um, are you a Nebraska native? I am. Born and raised here in Newman Grove, Nebraska. For people like me who are not familiar, Newman Grove, relatively speaking, is? Newman Grove is in the northeast part of the state. If you know where Norfolk is, it's about 40 minutes southwest of there. Okay. I know where Norfolk is. Does that help? Yeah. About two hours equal distance to Omaha and Lincoln. That's not bad. No, it's not. It's that, really not. That it, It's not quite two hours to my grandma's house, so, you know. No, nice. Um, so what is your day job? My day job, I am a banker here in Newman Grove. That's right. I am vice president of the bank in Newman Grove. So, yep, that's my day job. So, unfortunately. Fortunately, I'm like everybody else. I have a real job versus writing for Coronation. Um, I, I guess the important question is, you're the one who authorizes all of the loans to all the Husker fans? Yes. Yes, nice. all the Husker fans. 
Uh, and only Husker fans. Only Husker fans. If they're a Creighton fan, <laughs> get out. Go to uh, the bank next door. No, we'll take you too. I'll take anybody's money <laughs> as long as you got good credit. That is a that's a true banker right there. <laughs> um, and, and and you know, I feel like we've we've talked about some of this in the past and some of your past uh, uh, visits uh, to the show. So I think deep down, I probably knew that that there was banking in your in your life, but uh, vice president. So you've worked your way up uh, the the chain of command there a little bit. A little bit. We're a small bank, so. <laughs> there's there's the president, there's you, and there's the teller. Well, there's multiple vice pres- vice presidents, so there's like three or four of us. So <laughs> that's not how it works. You get one vice president. What what happens? What happens uh, when the president quits, retires? Then there's there, there's going to be a fight. There could be a fight. There could be a fight. I don't know if we're going to have a fight. You make it sound Hopefully like. Some- you make it sound like the president's going to be stepping down soon, and you'd be like, well, we're going to find out. Uh, yeah, he, he might be stepping down soon in the next few years. Not sure when. We'll see what happens. Do you so. ever hire people with zero banking experience whatsoever? Asking for a friend may or may not be me. Oh, uh, yeah. Sweet. Definitely. And, uh, of course, with the benefit of that, you get those sweet bankers hours. Yeah, those bankers hours are kind of non-existent for some of us. Well, if you're, if you're, the, we're an, we're a primarily ag bank, so we kind of go off whatever our customers, primarily farmers, uh, if they can, if they have to come in after hours, we will happily stay late for them. So, but they have to call you ahead of time, and be like, hey, I, I'm not going to get there till about six. I'm out here in the field. Exactly. That's pretty much it. Yep, that's exactly it. I, I my brother-in-law's a farmer. I I know how that conversation goes. So. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so are you a lifelong Husker fan? Yeah, lifelong Husker fan. Uh, just born and raised. Kind of, I, I look at it as kind of just basic Nebraska and born and raised here. Uh, being a Husker, it's not really to me a choice. It's just, you know, when you meet a Nebraskan and they're not a Husker fan, it's kind of like, well, well why not? You know, <laughs> it's it, it's just something you are, I think. I in in regards to that, I know Haas put something on Twitter uh, this past week about how uh, a couple came into his place of business uh, with three children, and they said, "Yeah, we we are from uh, uh, Nebraska, but we're raising our kids as Iowa fans." And he, I, it almost made him want to not do his job. You know, like get out. We we don't service that type of people here. Well, I would definitely make sure they had licenses to drive. I'd make sure they had insurance, and I would do a full credit check on them. I would do a full background check on them. Make sure there's <laughs> nothing else in there we don't you know know about. Um, so, lifelong Husker fan, was there? I guess. Well, I'll phrase it to you this way: what What's your first Husker memory? First Husker memory. That's that's a good question. Because I've been thinking about that because I do listen to quite a few of your interviews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and yet you still ask me for the questions ahead of time. Like I said, I was looking I was looking for curveballs, man. I just a <laughs> little, little leg up on things. I've been busy these last few weeks. You know, banker's hours. Bank, right, right. But, <laughs> but uh, you know. Rural banker's hours. Necess- yes, exactly. Rural banker's hours. Uh, I, I was trying to think about it. 
And I don't really remember, per se, a first Husker memory, but I remember a very definitive one. And I want to go all the way back, I think, to the 91 season. I was, I think, roughly 10 years old at that point. And yeah, or, yeah, I was 10 years old. And it wasn't my first Husker game, but it was the Oklahoma game that year. And we won, you know, and we went to the Orange Bowl and all that fun stuff. But what I remember and what kind of stayed with me even to this day is that it was freezing cold. I think it was rainy out. or I mean, it was wet. It was, you know, that crappy November weather. And the entire stadium stayed till the very end. And ever since then, anytime I don't stay to the end of the game, it bugs me. I didn't, you know, And I kind of view that still. I mean, you hear stories about, you know, you got to do that. You know, that's how Husker fans are. You know, I'm one of those people. Like, you, you go to the beginning of the game. You stay till the very end. And um, it, that always stuck with me, you know, and that to me really kind of epitomizes, you know, what being a Husker fan and and the culture that surrounds, you know, Husker athletics as a whole, what it really is. So I would say that's probably my youngest and probably most definitive early memory of being a Husker fan. So I, I want to talk about the, the whole leaving early thing. Um, I, I never understood it, especially as a kid who, you know, during the summer might, you know, around here, if you got enough A's or something like that, the, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch sent a little uh, four-pack of, like, essentially St. Louis Cardinals ticket vouchers to you. And you, you know, fill out the form, tell them what game you want to go to. And it was, you know, for my family, mom, dad, myself, and my sister. You know, so we'd pick a game. Usually it was on a, a weeknight. And in the summer, it doesn't mean anything to a kid because they don't have to get up and go to school the next day. But mom and dad still have to work. And and so by seven, eighth inning, something like that, they want to head out. And uh, and I just never understood. I'm like, oh, come on. It's, you know, baseball. We're here. And, you know, and first of all, those particular tickets are not tickets that were paid for. You know, they were just earned with some good grades. But, you know, I, growing up in, as a teenager and whatnot, uh, you know, someone in my 20s, you didn't leave early. You know, it, that, that's money – I, I always looked at it as if you paid for a ticket and you leave early, you're you're, you know, throwing money down the toilet. Um, and then we had our son, and he's been to two Cardinals games and uh, a little independent baseball uh, team in the area. And man, by that seventh inning, he was uh, yawning and eyelids are getting heavy, and it's like, okay, we got it's time to go, you know. But uh, <laughs> That, again, is the difference between a weeknight and a Saturday. If Unless you're like, you know, a doctor or nurse or something like that, you're on call, and you get that page, and you're like, oh, crap, I got 30 minutes to get to the hospital. Don't leave early, period. And I'm sure that if you're on call, you're probably not going to the Husker game anyway. It, it, it boggles the mind when, when you see you know, on TV and it, it doesn't show well on television, you know, when it's, you know, end of the third quarter or a few minutes into the fourth quarter and people are starting to file out of the seat, out of the stadium. It's not a good look. And we're supposed to be the, you know, the greatest fans in college football and, and we're ducking out early. It doesn't make any sense to me. No, it, it shows fair weather fans. And, and here's another thing. And I'm going to call on my Nebraska basketball, uh, fandom. Be, being a fan of both and being pretty into both uh, the men's basketball team and football team, 
I've kind of noticed the difference between the fan bases. This is kind of where things deviate a little bit, and this is, and I'm generalizing. It's not for everybody, but I feel like if you're straight, if you're just a Husker football fan, like you and I were, we're roughly the same age. I feel like the '90s spoiled us, correct? Yeah. The 80s, I mean, I, if you were if you grew up in the '60s through '90s, you were spoiled, just were. But you know, if you're a fan of Nebraska ball, Nebraska ball, you had some rough years. You know, I I started back in the '90s under Danny Knee, so I I was there for Knee basketball, and uh, you know those were good times. But you know, late '90s, early 2000s, things got rough and got rough for a long time. And you can always tell the hardcore, like the, the basic football fans, because one, they don't understand basketball. Uh, one bad loss, and they fly off the rails. But I feel like because you know, if you do follow Nebraska basketball uh, fairly well, it almost kind of hardens you. You know, it almost kind of makes you a little bit more realistic to what's going on. Uh, you you don't fly off the handle nearly as much, and that's why I think you see, you know. Uh, you don't see it nearly as much in Nebraska basketball games. You do on occasion when it when Pinnacle sells out, and you know your I would probably just say Fairweather fans get frustrated and leave. But you can tell the people who are at Nebraska basketball games on a regular basis, and you know them in your area, you know them in your section, and you you rarely see them leave, if ever. They stay till the end. And it's and, and and I came aboard Husker fandom after the nineties. Um now while we're we're close in age, I didn't wasn't really exposed to it here in Illinois. Obviously, you know, this is Big Ten country and, and Nebraska was in the, the Big Eight and Big Twelve, so we didn't get, you know, Husker games really on, on the T V at the time and and uh, so it wasn't until I moved out to Nebraska that you know, and, and even a couple of years into that that it started you know, clicking with me. Um, but so I, I don't even look at it and, and I, I appreciate basketball, definitely more of a football guy, but I enjoy watching the basketball, but I'm just, because I didn't ever really get to experience the good years. I, I kind of take everything a little bit more in stride, you know, uh, and, and with more of a wait and see attitude. So, um, you're, you're a realist. That's good to hear. Yay. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to ask a, 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 the next question, but I'm going to. I, I, I'm. I think I'm going to turn this one on, on it on its head for you. Um, so of the four fired coaches, I, I can't say fired because I don't know if they're all fired. Uh, so let, let's do this. Of from Danny Nee, Barry Collier, Doc Sadler. I want to put Tim Miles in there, but I think if I do, then it'll make it too obvious of an answer. But uh, so of those, you know, three coaches, who do you wish would have had the most success? Or, or let me rephrase it: which do you most wish would have been successful as far as getting Nebraska ball to that level? Uh, you know, to the tournament with a win, uh, with the the bronze statue out front. Um, who who would have been your pick? Uh, I, I I said I'd throw Tim Miles in there, but I think you know that because he's the current head coach, that'd probably be who you'd pick. So let's leave him out at the moment. 
You know, that's a that's a tough one. I'm I immediately want to say Danny Knee just because of what he made Nebraska basketball into, especially during the nineties, and that was kind of my the years that I really got into it and really kind of formed my uh my faith in the squad. But I'm gonna go with Doc Sadler because not only was he a fairly decent coach, especially on the defensive end, but he represented the team and the university very well. I thought he was a very good ambassador um, across all mediums to what you know what you wanted in a head basketball coach. Um, his interviews were good. Uh, unfortunately, he just he couldn't recruit that well. And honestly, at the time, the athletic department did not, I don't think, gave him the resources he needed. Um, Fortunately, that all happened after he left. But I think, you know, if I saw somebody, and when he got fired, that was, that was a gut-wrenching um, press conference. And he, he was emotional, but he dealt with it very well. And um, I wish him the best down at, I think he's still with Southern Miss. Um, but I, I would have to say Doc, you know, I... Uh, kind of that little engine that could thing i guess um he he had very little to work with and he cared i think i think he cared more than some coaches we've had in the past and um that shown through i I, the conversation is not making me tired if it's the benadryl um (laughs) but uh and and sadler's quoted by saying um at at the press conference of his firing uh he in this uh, Take it with a grain of salt, everybody. This is from Wikipedia, but he says, quote, I wanted to be the guy that won the first NCAA tournament game. It didn't happen. That's the bottom line. We can all sit here and talk about this, that, this, that, whatever. It all comes down to winning. That's what it should come down to, end quote. I think Doc took it personal, you know? I mean, like like you said, he was, he just invested um, and -hmm. and really wanted to be, really just wanted wanted to elevate the program to to new heights no i i i agree i think he i think if if nebraska would have picked some uh i think if nebraska would have picked some other basketball coaches other than him at the time bringing taking over collier's squad they probably would have looked at nebraska more so as a stepping stone Whereas I've got a feeling Doc Sadler, like he could have stayed at Nebraska, established roots, and really would have been perfectly happy uh, turning Nebraska into a very good squad. You know, um, I think they got a coach with really great character with him. So let's talk about the football side of it, just because I, I'm curious, and I'm sure everybody else is as well. Uh, same question on the football side: Solich, Callahan, Pelini, Riley, which do you most wish would have been successful? And I had to phrase it that way, you know, kind of from the beginning, because obviously we're Husker fans. We want all the coaches to be successful because we want all the teams to be successful. But of those four, who do you most wish would have, you know, I don't know, maybe still be employed, still, uh, you know, been able to make it work in Lincoln? Again, knee-jerk, I would probably say Frank Solich just because of the transition and everything. Sure. But, you know, I was never terribly invested in him for whatever reason. 
again, maybe he's just being spoiled <laughs> growing up in, the, in Nebraska, watching the football and seeing kind of what happened to the team under him. Not that he was a terrible coach, but I, I remember the late 90s, early 2000s, watching our team thinking, yeah, we're kind of sliding on recruiting. And this is before recruiting rankings and 24-7 and rivals and everything. But you could just kind of tell the products on the field weren't quite there. Um, and I don't know if he could have ever fixed that. Uh, I don't know if he would have adapted because shortly after Osborne left, and again, if, if you think I'm talking wrong, please jump in. But shortly after Osborne left, a few years after is when you started seeing things change in the recruiting world in college football. And I don't think Solich would have, was prepared for that at all, especially considering all of the coaches who were under Osborne retiring and and whatnot uh probably from what i've heard partially some of those guys they didn't want to recruit as hard as they had to nowadays but honestly i would probably say pelini i like pelini um he was rough around the edges but i that never bothered me um i was never offended by the leaked audio tape of him ripping the fans because i never viewed myself as one of those fans if that makes sense mm-hmm. uh but i know those fans and i kind of agreed with him but at the end of the day he still, it shouldn't have said it and it shouldn't have been leaked um it no, shouldn't have I, been recorded I, I, i'm sorry i said it should never have been recorded no exa- exactly i it, it, it that should have never happened but um you know he was a hard-nosed coach um uh, more more eastern rust belt midwestern than high plains midwestern if that makes sense which is probably why you nebraska had a hard time in the long run with him but um i just i I liked him as a coach and um yeah i would i would would probably have to go with bo pelini on that i want to go back to something you touched on with osborne and then you know the subsequent years you know a few years after his retirement and and the changing of the recruiting landscape if osborne would have started his coaching career you know maybe let's say he was 10 years younger than he is and started there subsequently, you know, 10 years later and was around for that shift in, in recruiting. Do you think he would have been able to adapt or do you think he would have been, you know, like one of the old guard? I'm, I'm still going to do it this way. And, you know, we're either going to get him or we're not. I think, he probably would have stayed the course, but because he's Tom Osborne, he would have still have gotten those top folks to come to Nebraska. But I don't know for how much longer. Um, I think Scott Frost was recently quoted at Big Ten Media Day saying that, you know, if he would have stayed, he would have had two or three more national championships, right? Um, I'm not 100% on that, but uh, Osborne was an innovator. Um, he changed when he had to. Um, if he didn't, we wouldn't have had those three national championships sure. in the '90s, for sure. I think we all all know that. But I, you know, th- that's a good question. He could have, but like I said, I, I think I don't think people are giving enough credit to how quickly the recruiting game changed in the early 2000s. It really and did. I, you really need to look back at that and you know, kind of see what happened, why. And if Nebraska would have adapted quick enough to keep up. And then how it evolved even beyond that, let's say, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, seems like 
much as it is, you know, society and, and many other industries, the internet, as the internet has become more prevalent, uh, everything has changed. I mean, you know, you've got, you know, kids, I'm, I'm gonna call them kids, you know, young men and, and, you know, young women too, although I'm, I'm sure it, it, it's, it's far, you know, lower a profile and, and that's not disparaging, you know, women's sports. It's just, doesn't get the hype of, you know, college football recruiting. Um, but, you know, now you've got everybody saying, you know, blessed to receive an offer from, blessed to receive an offer from, you know, this school, that school, uh, these commitment videos. And, and sometimes, you know, and, and Huskers have been burned by this. You get a commitment video and then they change their mind a month later anyway. But because of the Internet, and I'm I'm not the old guy saying, oh, the Internet's the worst thing in the world. Hey, without Without the internet, there's no five-hour podcast or coronation. Um, but, you know, because the internet is so, you know, prevalent and, and such a unique tool to get your product out there, both from, you know, what these kids are able to do athletically to what the school can provide these, you know, student-athletes from athletics, academics, opportunity, everything else, uh it, it really has changed the entire landscape of recruiting. Um, and, you know, time will tell. I think we're too, you know, current in it to see if it's, you know, for the better or for the worse. But it's, it's certainly, you know, allowing a, you know, maybe an unsung kid on, on some, you know, small town school to maybe, you know, put a highlight video out there and and get that opportunity. So so a lot of positives uh, for the Internet we all know that there's plenty of negatives on the internet too. We're not going to dwell on that. Um, all right, Patrick, who is, and this can be football, basketball, baseball, hockey, not hockey. Um, any, anyway, it can be anything. Who's your all time favorite Husker. Uh, I struggle with this on a regular basis. <laughs> it's one of the, it, it really is one of those that, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, it, it, it can change with your mood, right? Yeah, it's no, like totally you know, can. like your favorite song, your favorite movie, or anything like that. It can change, you know. Depending, there are some people who are going to be like, no matter what, it's going to be this guy. Uh, but you know, because it's something that's subjective, you can absolutely waver in your opinion. But I'm curious. Um, yeah, no, I mean, and it's tough. I mean, you know, in, in just terms of pure. Football athleticism, I would probably say Sue, easily. Uh, the guy once again, once Pelini came in, uh, flipped the switch. Sue just went off, and he, he was a beast. He still is a beast. He's going to be a beast this year in in L.A. for the Rams. Uh, I don't watch much NFL, but I might catch some Rams games if you looked at their roster lately. They are going to be great again, partially to do with him. But you know, growing up, you know. If you grew up in Nebraska, especially in the 80s and 90s, that whole walk-on thing was a big deal. And especially if you grew up in a small town playing six- or eight-man football like I did, you kind of grew up idolizing guys like Jeff and Joel Makovica, you know, guys mm-hmm. who played eight-man, who proved that they can not only play eight-man but go to Nebraska and play and start and do well. Um, so, I'd you know, probably one of those guys, too. I'd probably go Joel McAvick and probably Sue split, honestly. And that's, you know, I'm not going to say that that's a, 
you know, an out of the blue pick, uh, you know, for Makovica, but because it's not, it, and mm-hmm. and and love the reasoning for it because, like you said, it it meant that any kid playing, you know, at any level in the state of Nebraska, it gave them all hope. You know, it it mm-hmm. it, it would, you know, guys like guys like Makovica were the standard bearer for the walk on program. They really were, and you didn't have to be, you know, an Omaha Burke. Or you know, or anything like that. You could be, oh man, uh, I don't know, uh, Molin. Is is that? A, I, I think that's the name. Anyway. Um, oh yeah, way out there. Yeah, yeah well, I, well, I shouldn't say way out there, but it's it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's out there. It's way out there. <laughs> let's not lie. Um, but you know, you could you you could you could look at that and look at that roster and be like, oh, he's from a small town, or or you know, he's from you know a small town that's you know a lot like my small town, and and. Uh, uh, he played eight man or six man and and uh look at what he's doing now uh, yeah just I, i'm talking in circles here um I'm, I'm i'm gonna blame the benadryl all night long um but you know get like i said it just gives gives the young uh young kids of nebraska hope that someday they'd be able to run out of that tunnel wearing the scarlet and cream as well yeah no i mean that's exactly what it was you had you had guys like those like uh them who you know, even though, like, you know, I'm standing on the sideline my sophomore year of high school looking at guys who are way more athletic and better at football going, you know, if I'm watching them knowing that they have no chance for to play for the Huskers, that means I really have no chance playing for right. the Huskers. And, and, but even with that said, you know, you, you're, you're playing against guys who at least, you know, might have a chance to walk on and become good enough to actually start and play in a national championship for Nebraska at some point. And, and, let's, and, and to me, young, you know, as a young, you know, kid in junior high, you know, even high school, that's, that's a pretty cool thing. And and to even ex- expound on that, you know, briefly, which is what apparently I'm doing tonight. Um, when you have the coaches like the Callahans, the Pelinis, who didn't necessarily look in state, they didn't look at, you know, some of these, you know, young men, the the Makovicas, uh, the Patrick Gerharts. Uh, you know the the small town kids and, and see how they could contribute or, or you know as a walk on. Then that the the bloom kind of comes off the rose a little bit. You're like, oh, I guess maybe the program doesn't care as much about me as as they used to. Maybe I'm not going to care as much about them. And then you have you know a, a, a D1 offensive lineman uh, commit to Wisconsin from from Lincoln from the shadow of Memorial Stadium where it should never be a question where he's going to play his college football and he's going to go to stinking Madison and, and play be, be a Badger instead of, you know, walking to school practically every day and, and playing for his hometown, home state college. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it, when we had, you know, a few years there where perhaps the staff or the program didn't seem like it appreciated the – the tradition and, and I don't know, maybe I'm talking out, out of the line here, but then you, it, it, it seems like it was a, a one-sided one-way relationship, you know? Yeah. I mean, when you have, I think, I think at one point, two or three years, two years ago, I want to say Iowa had like three eight man guys from Nebraska on their roster. And I think at least two of them were starting. One of them was from not too far down the road in Howells for me. That shouldn't be happening. No. You know, when Nebraska, when, and, and that was under Pelini's watch when it's like, hey, we'll give you a preferred walk on. Uh, when Iowa comes in and says, hey, here's your scholarship, 
And, you know, and as it's spoken on many of these podcasts and people write about it all the time, you know, with the cost of education nowadays, you're going to take the scholarship or you're going to walk on and hope to get a scholarship. Right. You Man. know, and that's another thing people got to realize. People say that, you know, because of the culture change over the last 20 years over and over again in Nebraska, we're losing kids out of state. Well, it's also a heck of a lot easier to get your huddle video in the in the eyes of North Dakota state coaches. Exactly. Wyoming you know, and I mean, because I think one, God, I, I can't remember what year it was. One of the eighteen national championships that North Dakota State won in the last, you know, eighteen <laughs> years, uh, in the last twenty years. Um, one year, I think I counted like fifteen or seventeen Nebraskans on it. That would that have been? What the, does that tell you? The that Craig Bull liked uh, like Nebraska kids. I think so, but they're still going up there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, Greg Bull, yeah, and he's at Wyoming, and he's doing the same thing right now. Though it looks, you know, like Scott Frost pretty much put a vice script on that leak, right? Uh, luckily, but no, Greg Bull, he saw what you know what was going on in the state. But I mean, he also pulled kids up there who had no stars, and even under probably Osborne would have had to walk on. You know what I mean? Um, but they probably would have walked on under, under you know, a guy like Osborne sure. or Scott Frost instead of going, well, am I going to go here where, oh, they're playing more of a pro-style offense and I grew up playing, you know, straight eye you right. know, formation. Yeah. yeah, and or should I go up, up north and have a chance to win a national championship? Absolutely right. Um, you know? It seems absurd to a lot of Nebraskans still, but I mean, you got to look at the big picture for some of these kids. And like you said, a college education, not cheap. Uh, we talked earlier on, uh, earlier in the cross-examination about kind of your earliest Husker memory, but do you have a favorite Husker sports moment that, that is different than that? You know, just any any sport, anything like that, uh, one iconic moment that stands out to you more than others? You know, probably the 94 National Championship. I was out, we were out in Colorado. I was out of Cousins in Parker, Colorado. And we watched that game with them. They're big Husker fans. Um, just going nuts that we came back against Miami and beat them. After the game, they had a Husker flag on the front of their house and we took their dog for a walk and I took the flag and waved it around their neighborhood as people drove by. Um, I would say that's probably the biggest because, I mean, again, that was the first national championship under after my birth. So th- that that's probably the biggest one right off the top of my head. I, I love, uh, you know, hearing stories like that, the, the celebrations. Uh, we had a really good one uh, last week as well. And, and just, you know, the, the, until Nebraska – wins a national championship, I don't have any of those celebration stories. So I've, I'm living vicariously through uh, the stories of your youth, Patrick. Uh, which brings us to our last question. Coronation, man, how, how did you start writing for the Big CN? I had been a reader for quite some time on Coronation. I was, before I got into banking, I was in uh, government policy and politics um, oh, I oh ran my. Wait, wait for a long time. Wait, hold on. Government policies yeah. and politics. I, yeah. That's that's exciting stuff. I've got to sit down. Hold on. <laughs> and continue. for a long time, 
Yeah, I, I, for a long time, I worked uh, campaigns in and out of Nebraska, across the country. And in 2010, I was up in upstate New York running a congressional race. And it was right when the whole Big Ten was going to expand. And upstate New York, and when I say upstate New York, I'm not talking like Albany. I'm talking like our outside of Canada. <laughs> Buffalo. <laughs> Uh, no, far, I mean, like way north, uh, like way, like, uh, Lake Placid, if you have any idea where that is. Yeah. 1980 Olympics. Yeah. 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 Do you know where that is in the state of New York? It's in, it's It's in there. Way up. It's It's way (laughs) up there. It's way up there. Anyway, it's also like a dead space for anything, especially when it comes to college football. And so anytime I wake up before work, I would just desperate to find any information on on the big 10 um invite and stuff like that and there was nobody to talk to and the world herald and lincoln journal star were doing an okay job but you could tell that they were minding their p's and q's and coronation was doing a really good job keeping me up to date and i became an avid reader um started you know conversing every once in a while with with brian toll of course. Um, on Twitter and stuff like that. And then out of the blue, um, there was, I was reading one of the articles at the bottom. It's like, hey, we're looking for a Nebraska ball writer. And I'm like, sure, why not? I'll put my name in, see what happens. Again, the worst thing they're going to tell me is no, which is perfectly <laughs> fine. But I kind of looked at it honestly from the standpoint of, you know, I got all this cool, I, I got all this great enjoyment out of reincarnation. Um, maybe I could turn around and kind of do the same. Uh, not that I would, uh, contribute a ton. Um, not that I feel like I'm a huge contributor. I'm, I'm basically every, every week sitting here waiting for John to say, Hey, we got a real Nebraska ball writer. You can go now. (laughs) But, um, a week after I, I sent my email in, I got an email back from John saying, Hey, are you serious? And I go, yeah. (laughs) So it kind of, it kind of just went from there. (laughs) <laughs> and and no regrets no none none I, i'm sure john and everybody else has regrets on no 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 on no, board. no but but you know it's it's kind of like i feel like i'm writing on borrowed time no no um, you, you know i mean it's just but i think a lot of the folks on coronation feel that way i think there was a moment in slack a few months ago where somebody said anybody else feel like they're a fraud and i think Half of a dozen of us chimed in and went, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I, I can say I, I, I don't feel like a fraud. However, I don't feel like I contribute enough, uh, especially in the, you know, because Brian and I started, you know, Brian brought me in. Uh, I wish I remembered the year, but I want to say it was probably 2012, maybe early 2013, something like that. And we did the podcast detasseling the Huskers, which was our, you know, essentially a, a mailbag show. Everybody, you know, every week people submitted their questions via Twitter and whatnot, and uh, and then we answered them. You know, and that was that. And then that kind of went by the wayside. We both got busy uh, with life and everything else. And for years, I didn't post a thing, but I was still in the emails, and then eventually the Slack, and and then you know in the uh, uh, before the football season 2016, Brian and I got together. I mean, he and I talked all the time. I had the good fortune to meet him uh, back in, you know, a couple of times back in 2015 down in Dallas. Um, and we, we just like, you want to, you want to do it again? You want to, you want to do a different show? You, you know, a new show? Yeah, let's do it. And, and, and Five Heart was born. Um, 
but yeah, it's just, like I said, I just I just feel like for all of all the time that I've been there, you know, or been here, you know, on coronation, I I haven't I haven't carried my weight yet, so <laughs> I haven't I haven't oh, carried dude, my portion. <laughs> no, dude, you've been great. You've been timely every week pushing out podcasts. Um, you did a great job with Brian, and then now the Haas is on here. Uh, different dynamic, and it's still awesome. You uh, you guys do a great job, and um, again, yeah, and again, we're we're lucky to have a guy like Haas who knows the stuff the way he does. I, I tell you um, what, you, you you guys put out a great product. Uh, Pat Patrick, you keep kissing my ass like that. You're welcome back on the show anytime. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, no way. Well, hey, I, I I I I'm a believer in coronation. I, I like what we do. Um, there's always room for improvement, of course, but uh, we've got a good team here. John's done a pretty good job managing us as as well as he could manage a herd of, uh, a, a herd of cats. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, it's 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 enjoyable, grand scheme of things. So. It, it and and that's uh that should be the the coronation tagline. We, we're a herd of cats with one cat herder. So, uh, no, you're you're absolutely right. And and uh, John, if you're listening, which I'm not gonna lie, I'm not expecting him to be listening. But John, if you're listening, as always, man, thanks for the uh, the opportunity and for for keeping us on and, and keeping this thing going. Um, Patrick, I had a good time as, as always talking with you, buddy. Are you ready to? Uh, close the show in the normal fashion. Let's do it. All right. Uh, that is Patrick Gerhart. I am Greg Mahochko. This has been the Five Heart Podcast, where we remind you this week and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. Go Big Red. Win the damn off season. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.